Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Invisible Not Broken. So this week, I get to talk to one of my favorite people, Rebecca, about body image and chronic illness. And of course, we go into a ton of topics. So Rebecca is from a world that I am pretty familiar with, which is ballet, but she's also a model and she also has Crohn's. So I thought she'd be one of the best people to talk to about how chronic illness can really shift your body image. And wow, did we really get into so, so much. I think this is one of our most shareable episodes. If you are having issues with body image and your chronic illness, and there's someone who really isn't getting it, this might be a really good episode to share out there. Um, I do want to put a disclaimer here. And that is that Rebecca and I are both very similar in that we are a certain skin color, a certain socioeconomic class. We are from a very certain place. And that means that what we're talking about is strictly our experiences. Now, if you have a different experience as a man in a body who has chronic illness and or someone who is transgendered or who has a different experience and you would like to talk about what your life is with body image and chronic illness, please email me. Go to invisiblenetbroken.com and just click on future guests and send me an email and I would love to talk with you. I don't like to guess at what people are feeling or experiencing. So everything we're talking about is strictly what we've experienced. So please listen to it with that in mind and you'll know what we're going through. And we would love to hear about your experience. So one of the things that we talked about, I've been pretty clear, I have two children who are my entire world, but we were discussing that pregnancy and the care of a baby seems to be quite the bridge from healthy world to sick world. It is one way that healthy people can start to have an idea of what being sick can actually feel like. And somehow this turned into a New Year's resolution show. So we really talked about what her and my New Year's resolutions are going to be. And um, I have one for everyone. This goes for every single person in the world. Here's your New Year's resolution. If someone cannot fix something about their body in less than three minutes, that means a zipper, something in between their teeth, it is not for you to mention. That's my New Year's resolution for a kinder, gentler world. So thank you so, so very much. We go over so many things and so many different um, different things that will be linked in the show notes. So please go to the show notes. Please ignore my snorting pug who is in the background. Um, but please go to our show notes. There is a wealth of knowledge and different books that we referenced that really helped us and different uh, movies and people that we really would love for you to take a look to. So please go to show notes. If you would like to be very, very kind, go to iTunes, write an embarrassingly nice review, and please share us with friends and family. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoy the episode and join us again next week. Hey everyone, welcome back to Invisible Not Broken. And I have one of my favorite guests back. I'm so excited. And we have touched on this for a minute in her interview, but I really wanted to get much more into body image and chronic illness. So if you want to remind everyone who you are and what you have, and I just want to get right into the body image because we just had a wonderful chat about girls and body image, and it goes so far beyond chronic illness, but I do really want to to give a shout out to how much our bodies change with chronic illness and other people's ideas of what our bodies should look like. Hello, yes. My, <laughs> we have so much to unpack. Right. Uh, yes, I think the Australian is back. Yes, Rebecca. My name is Rebecca and I um, have suffered from a myriad of things, but it's kind of morphed into Crohn's in its current state. 
So, yes, do you, you want to talk about body image and Crohn's? Let's get going, seriously. Let's, because, like, so I, I don't want to make terribly huge assumptions, and but I'm going to a little bit <laughs> because I used to be a photographer, so I used to um, hire the models for my campaigns, and that was always something I insisted on because uh, when we're talking about body image, I was a ballerina for years, so I am trigger-sensitive on what society thinks women should look like, so I always insisted on hiring people who I thought would not give an unrealistic idea to people. Um, But one of the models I have now is chronically ill. And she has this huge struggle of people looking at her going, I want to look just like you. I want to just be like you. You're so skinny. You are so skinny. You must be so healthy. What are you doing to be so healthy? You're so beautiful. And she's like, I am freaking dying inside. I am in pain. I can barely get to my jobs. I am not okay. How are you guys holding me up on this pedestal? And I don't, I, we've released the videos before. If you're okay with us releasing this video, I will. I don't think it comes as a terrible shock to you. You are stunning. And I'm thinking for a minute, you probably get a lot of this yourself. Well, yeah, I do, I do model. Um, it's always been a side thing for me. My my journalism and my producing work has been kind of at the forefront over the past 10 years. Um, but, but yeah, I've, you know, oh, you look so good. You don't look sick. Or, you know, recently, well, not recently, the past few years, I've, I've lost a lot of weight and not not by dieting, not, and there's, there's nothing I'm doing. Obviously I just want to stay healthy and I walk when I can. And, but I got, I haven't properly exercised for a very long time cause I just haven't been able to, but I lost a really big client in Australia, uh, because I lost weight. They called my agent. They said, she's not fitting the bras anymore. She's not fitting the underwear. It was like a fit model. I was like the the warehouse model type of thing. That sounds very, um, <laughs> very plain, but you know, you, you need to be able to fit because you're showing clients and all that type of stuff. Um, yeah. And my agents are like, you need to put on weight. And I'm like, I- I'm not trying to lose weight. I'm, I'm not, I'm really not. And, um, you know, I've lost more weight this year. It just dra- like drastically. So, um, I had a casting only a few days ago and I was too thin. I was too thin for the bra. My, my, my bust has gone down. And I know that sounds, oh, very, you know, it, it doesn't matter. Or poor you, you've lost weight. But when you're not trying to do it and it's affecting also your livelihood, well, one, one portion of my livelihood, um, it really gets to you and you're like, what, what's going on? Um, and then, you know, you oscillate from being ravenously hungry to bloated and looking almost pregnant. And that's, you know, for a woman, that's just not awesome. <laughs> like you don't feel attractive. You don't feel sexy. You don't want to be touched. But then I put myself in back of the model. Um, there's no way that I'm getting in front of the camera. Like I'm, I'm going to cancel a photo shoot this weekend because it makes me want to cry. Like it just does. And, you know, no matter how many times people can say, Becca, you look great. It's like, well, no, I look like I'm five months pregnant. So unless it's a maternity shoot, I'm not doing it. And I I can laugh about it, but that bloating and that, um, the aesthetic that's associated with pain. That's associating with not being able to digest food, which then parlays into why, why is my hair falling out? Why don't I have enough energy? It's all, you know, physical, aesthetic 
things are indications of stuff that's going on inside. So that poor girl that you were talking about, she's got all this other stuff going on. Clearly she's not absorbing minerals and nutrients. And, you know, like um, I remember, what was it, five or six years ago, my foot just fractured for, for no reason. Like I wasn't running. I wasn't doing hardcore exercise. I just, I can't physically, I'm really tall. Like if you see me doing crazy fast stuff, you'd laugh. So, and yeah, I ended up in a moon boot for two months and I now realize that was before I'd been diagnosed with Crohn's. I wasn't absorbing any food. I wasn't absorbing the minerals in my food and it was all just coming out of me. So yeah, it's really challenging. And then you have, you know, we touched on this last week when you have someone saying, oh, but you look so well, or you're so gorgeous, or, you know, I, I wish I looked like you. You don't want to be a bitch and say, oh, thanks. <laughs> I was on the toilet all, all this morning, or I had my head in the toilet, or I actually can't digest food this week. You know, it, it's a it's a double-edged sword. Um so, yeah, it's it's really tricky. And then, you know, you go from uh, – we were talking about, you know, I've come out of a flare and I'm still, I'm still flaring and I haven't even been able to go for my walks around the block and things that you just go, well, I just feel gross. I haven't been able to get out of the house. I haven't been able to move my muscles or my body and I'm stiff and I'm sore and I feel old. And I think that's a, that's a big thing for people with chronic illness when you can't do the basic things – the maintenance things for your body to keep you kind of oiled and loose and um, feeling somewhat normal. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a lot. And you touched on some really, <laughs> really important things. And like some of the things to unpack is that I feel like for, for women, uh, everyone is listening. This is strictly just my viewpoint, whatever your culture. And we have an amazing audience that's international. So I don't know if I'm speaking to what your culture has told you or not, but I will tell you that here in the United States, as a girl who grew up in the uh, waif era, where I am not kidding, it was called heroin chic. So we were supposed to look unhealthy. We were supposed to look like we were high. Like this was the thing was Kate Moss with the jeans falling off the body. And that kind of idea was like, you were supposed to suffer to be beautiful. So it's almost like you're suffering while you're with your chronic illness to get thin is almost discounted because everyone who's healthy trying to get thin is suffering to get to look like that too. And they're like, but if I could just have something that forced my body to be like this, I'd be willing to suffer to look like that. That really speaks to the insanity of our culture that we don't honor healthy bodies, that what we honor is some sort of very warped idea of what thin is supposed to be and that we're willing to suffer and not be healthy for that. Yeah, and you see that a lot of my friends are having babies right now and you're seeing them often having to get off social media because of this insane pressure that women feel that they have to snap back. And it's like, no, you <laughs> you spent actually it's 10 months you're pregnant and then you, I remember my mother saying to me, you, you kind of have to give your body over to the baby for a year after as well. And it, it's, it's like, hold on, what is having a flat stomach got to do with the fact that you've just grown a child in you? And where is the honor and the, the respect in that? I just, you know, you, you see it constantly. Oh, well, I'm, I'm 15 pounds off my weight and my pre-baby body. And, you know, I, it's, I had a friend who had to go to therapy when she was pregnant 
to deal with the body issues and the body image uh, things that she got bombarded with because she was a model too. And I've seen a lot of model people like this, especially postpartum, really, really struggle with this. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. It's really, really crazy and it's it's sad. I've, I feel like there is a shift happening but it's still not happening fast enough because I think there's the the male aspect or the partner aspect that needs to pick up as well where it's like, no, your wife or your girlfriend or your the person that you've had a baby with, she's probably going to look pregnant for four to five months after. And she may, she may always just have that little tummy, but you know what? You've got a gorgeous little child now. And also you see on the other side women who do snap back you know, quotation marks, that's just their body and then they get shamed for that too. It, it, you can't really win as a woman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, um, can we just name this episode that? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Let's just underline that one for a minute. First up, what men do you know who are like that? Oh, my God, that's terrifying to me that men would possibly judge they're oh yeah, yeah. I I okay. I let me just friend. be clear. She lives in like where you live is fantasy land. I mean, like literally, it's where the fantasies are made. Like that is crazy. That this is the idea that would go behind anyone's idea of like scaring or making women even feel the slightest bit of pressure. Like while she is like creating a human, creating a nervous system, eyeballs, and then yeah, you grow, you're growing toes, like right, uh, a brainstem, and then pushing that person out or having it cut out of you and yeah. then so here's like a little theory I'm gonna float because I've never actually come up with it until you just said this and now I'm starting to think it through um I almost feel like pregnancy is the healthy person introduction to chronic illness like all of a sudden your body is changing yeah. in ways that you don't get to say you have no control over what it looks like you have no control over your energy levels anymore people treat you differently people treat you like your public property and all of a sudden, you can't move how you used to move. And now people can sometimes pity you. And they treat you based on your physical condition rather than on your mental acuity. And then when you have said little creature, you will be pushing a stroller or having it strapped to you. So all of a sudden, you now have a little bit of a window into those of us who use mobility aids on how difficult getting across a street is <laughs> or how opening yeah. a door and pushing something through is. Wheelchairs, fun telling you. I'm just thinking for a minute, this might actually be the big like bridge over the center divide of healthy world to sick world is understanding what it's like, even for men who are not going through this physical change of having to care for a small person who now needs like mobility change. Like this might be the great like bridge to understanding what all of us are going through. Oh, there's an ongoing joke with, myself and <laughs> you know my people my friends and stuff is that I'm going to be okay with like the nausea with the pregnancy because I'm just that all the time you know and the tiredness and obviously I you know we touched on this last week I I worry that that's just going to elevate even more for me but 100% my best friend here in LA she has a gorgeous little five-month-old um, she's gone through some complications postpartum she's coming out of it now but the tiredness and she, her husband had to travel for work, um, 14 hour flight. And she said to me, Becca, you know, when you're the tired one, when you want to be getting on a 14 hour flight. <laughs> okay. That was more of a cackle than a laugh, but that was an honest cackle. 
Oh my god. Okay, so have you ever read Naomi Wolf? Yes. Okay, so she wrote, um, oh bloody hell, what's that book about uh, childbirth? Oh god. Oh god, we're both getting struck by brain fog right now. Naomi Wolf, <laughs> I met you once. I, it was a high point in my existence. I will link this to the show notes. Please understand, it's just because I'm sick, not because I didn't read it 20 times. Um, what she said about um, the experience of having a baby is the truest thing I've ever heard, which is like cesarean section. She had one. I haven't. I can't speak to it, except I've had major surgery. No one after I had major surgery handed me an infant and told me to feed it and take care of it or to get out of the hospital three days later and start walking. Not once. No. So the idea that you're getting through, and I had two very traumatic uh, regular births that were very hard. Um, won't go into detail. Won't scare you. I do not tell my story to people who have not had children. Um, but what <laughs> I will say, I refuse. I am not that woman. I will not scare. I will not scare newly pregnant women or women who are thinking about it. I am not that person. I'm not the specter at the feast. Uh, but I will say, as it was, uh, we'll say challenging. And the exhaustion is real, and I am very lucky with the support I have and have had that there was never the slightest thought that the person who was responsible for said human being here also did not jump in and make sure that they were taking full care so that I could get rest at night or in the day. Or, like, that's just insane to me that we expect women to be these Okay, so Terry Crews said this the best, and I love Terry Crews to the moon and back for the honesty and the bridge he has made between men and women in saying that he at one point did not view women as fully human. And I strongly believe that that is a problem in our society, is that our society itself does not view women as fully human. Either we are goddesses who can handle anything and everything. We are Wonder Woman who can love, jump walls, carry a baby and be a CEO and, and look at her. She's up on that pedestal or we are fighting to get on that pedestal and no one is acknowledging the humanity, even to the point where we look at the Hollywood industry, where even the movies that are marketed to us are look at this goddess, Catherine Heigl, who her lesson in this movie is that when the schlub learned to love himself and has no redeeming features, no redeeming qualities, her lesson was to settle for him. And now she could be the superwoman with the baby and supporting him. And like, I like, it's just this mythology. We keep telling this incredible legend of this mythological creature of woman. Like, she can do everything. And if she doesn't have perfect skin and no wrinkles, then she's not trying hard enough. She's not trying hard enough to be the legend. Oh, 100%. You, you can see this in all ages of, of of women, from little girls to, you know, 80-year-olds getting facelifts, which, again, you can do that. That's fine. Yeah, but what, whatever that, you need that, to do. <laughs> whatever you need to do, 100%. But it's it's the pressure. It is that thing of like, uh, what was the quote? You can have it all, but not all at once. And I think that is a really, really big thing. And understanding the seasons of your life and understanding, you know, coming back to motherhood, you're in a season right now where you are caring for a child. And that's the most important thing. If that child is cared for and fed and warm, go girl, you've done it. And if you, you know, and, and unfortunately... We, we live in a very expensive world now where, you know, 
stepping into politics. There aren't support. <laughs> oh, what? On this podcast? Stepping into politics? You know, there isn't the Gasp! support for for women or men, in, in especially in this country, for maternity, paternity leave. So you see women who have had to have, you know, cesareans and all those, tr- you know, very trauma-based birth-related things and having to go back to work three weeks later because they do have to be that superwoman because they do have to keep food on their table. It's it's really, really hard and it's I, I think it's a, a, a cross-section of what we get fed with the media, the policies that we have to live under in whatever country you live in because, you know, you can go to whatever country unless Scandinavia, they're quite advanced, but... <laughs> Shout Even out in to Australia, yeah, seriously, I just I actually can't read or watch a lot of things coming out of there because it makes me so sad that I'm never going to live there. Scandinavia, <laughs> would you like to adopt a podcast host? Because I will, I will buckle down and learn the language. I will do whatever I can, but please, please save us. Um, <laughs> no, but, you know, even, even in Australia, you know where I'm from, there's still big advancements that need to be, you know, need to happen in. in regards to paid maternity leave and all that type of stuff. It's, yeah, it's it's a very, very big issue to unpack, which I think would take about seven seasons to just get to one it layer. Will. And let me just do a quick disclaimer, because I realized I didn't do this disclaimer in the beginning because I'm on painkillers. Um, so let me just say uh, <laughs> so many painkillers. So many. Um, the uh, we're talking right now from our personal experience, which we are two, I believe, cis women who were born into the gender that we identify with. I cannot speak to the male experience. I cannot speak to the transgender experience. And if you can, and you want to examine this issue with me, I would love it. Please, please send me a message. Go to invisiblenotbroken.com and send me a message. Ask to be on the podcast to do a panel about body image and chronic illness from your perspective because I can't speak to it and I'm not going to um, discredit what your experience is by trying to guess at what your experience is. So if you have this experience and you want to talk about what it is like to be in your body with your experience and your how chronic illness has affected how you view your body and what that's going on. I would love to talk to you, but this podcast is going to be from two women who were born as women because that's all we can actually talk to is our experiences. So learn from what we have to say about this. And if you are offended by this, yeah, well, um, and if you are not offended, but you would like to talk about this, please send me an email. All right. So that is my disclaimer. I, we've, we've gotten wonderful people talking to us. So we don't discuss those viewpoints enough. And that's just because I won't discredit someone's experience by guessing. So absolutely. Yeah, I would rather assumptions are not, are not the way forward. And especially we're, we're also two white women. I'm sure, I'm <laughs> yes. sure w- women of color have a whole other. Oh level. God. No, Thank I, you for I, bringing I, that I know they do. Yes. Yeah, it's huge. I'm I'm doing a lot of personal work about white privilege uh, and white feminism and sitting in that discomfort and learning and and just trying to educate myself because you know we have it tough in with our with our illnesses in that context, but I can't even imagine what it's like to be a person of colour and and deal with the ancestral pain and the pain that they constantly feel uh, each day that that we just will will never understand because of the color of our skin. I, I'm Again, not, yeah, I'm not going to guess that. That's a whole other podcast. But yeah. yeah, just you know, 
understanding that and, and, you know, trailing on from your (laughs) – the male and and the transgender thing, there are perspectives that we will just never be able to understand and reach out, speak to you because, you know, the, the, the more the merrier, the more perspectives, the better. That is so true. That's why the podcast exists. And what I will say, though, is that just because you're victimized doesn't mean that you're not also stepping on someone else's neck. And that's a really important thing for all of us is we're all, you know, most of us who are listening are chronic illness. And that means that we already feel like we're the underdog. But just because we're the underdog, we also need to look around us and make sure that we are not stepping on someone or benefiting from someone being stepped on. That awareness also has to be something that we hold as well, no matter what color, what what abilities we have, what our associations are. It is so important that we never lose sight that we don't get to subtract someone else's humanity. And that, yeah, absolutely. And I think a, a lot to do uh, uh, chronic illness and the mental issues around that can make you quite insulated and quite in yourself and and that's depression and that's obviously you know not being able to get out of the house but I often have to remind myself Becca there are people who are suffering more than you there are people who are worse off not to make myself feel better or put myself on a pedestal but to give that perspective of no you can use you can help there's someone you know you can walk there's someone who can't walk You've got food. There's someone who doesn't have food. That's just that simple, simple life perspective. See, now you're sounding like me when I'm taking care of my daughter through her homework. I'm like, there are children who would love to be able to go to school. Can you just do your math? It's (laughs) true. It's true. You know, we're not getting bombed in Syria. Or right now, California is on fire. And I'm I'm sitting, the air quality is not great, but my house hasn't been burnt down. Yeah. You know, one of my friend's mother's houses doesn't exist anymore. People have died in cars. Perspective is a wonderful thing. And now we're going to get back to the light discussion of body image and chronic illness. I, I feel so weird after we're, because we're both here in California and we're both watching very closely the evacuation orders. Um, I am not personally in the middle of that, but you are. And the weird thing was, is like we almost were, there was a fire right at my daughter's uh, where she was supposed to go to school, but we were just the day before all the fires broke out. So we had a ton of resources that stopped the fire before it spread. It was crazy. Anyway, oh, that's amazing. So um, we were talking about body image <laughs> and you brought up such a great question, a discussion about pregnancy and how that that can really change perspectives from someone who had been healthy but also the quick changes in your bodies can be pretty extreme and having been on steroids before for lung tissue mm. loss the um and also we we're talking about society and how there's one type of body that for a very long time you're right it is getting a little better but not to my viewpoint, um, but there's been, and, and this is historical as well. I'm a history freak. I also run another podcast for kids that's a history podcast. And one of the things historically has been that sick women is usually the fashion. And we need to examine that because belladonna used to be put in women's eyes to have the consumption look. That was actually a thing. You think heroin chic is creepy? consumption look is creepy oh and, I didn't know that yeah uh, they would put belladonna in their eyes to dilate their pupils so they looked more like they were dying the um 1920s the vamp look was very much based on the pale skin the boy body the starved body and the very dark circled eyes um th- this has gone through history over and over again and so women's bodies have usually been the play out of of power 
of how how powerful the family is and what they're able to look like. If you are skinny and that's popular, it's usually because you're able to afford a gym and the right food. So that's showing your wealth. Um, if you're heavier and curvier, that usually means that there is famine that has happened right before or is happening now, like the 1950s is right after the war restrictions. The war. Yeah. And the it was all blah, blah, boom, which by the way, that's my freaking body type. And I was a few <laughs> years too late. Um, but if you look how, how women's bodies are basically not really ours anyway, even if you are healthy, they are a political playground. Oh, yeah. So it's like, it's even more extreme when you're like, it's just so weird because like I'm thinking, I'm trying to like think through like all of my prejudices, which are pretty extreme when I look at skinny women because skinny was what I wanted so badly. I starved myself for 10 years, like 400 calories a day and exercising four times a day. I worked so hard to be skinny and that was never going to happen. I am built like Jessica Rabbit. There was no chance that was going to happen, but I was a ballerina and I was a ballerina, not in the Missy Copeland days. I was a ballerina in the Balanchine baby days of the 12 year old boy. That's the only body type you get. And it's really hard for me to have this discussion with you because my viewpoint of chronic illness, and not that I don't want to, I totally want to have this discussion with you and see your viewpoint, but I worked so hard. I'm, I am that person who is annoying, like saying, oh, but you look so skinny. That's great. I wish I could do that too. And now I'm learning that that is the wrong thing to say. And I'm trying to see it from other people's perspectives who have had this is like, no, this isn't something I'm working towards. This is something I'm working away from. This is this being skinny is a signifier that I'm not healthy. And there is so much to battle inside all of our heads from society to our own efforts to our own expectations to what we find beautiful. Oh, well, yeah, I, I was I left school to be a ballet dancer. So I I still have to unpack that. You know? <laughs> like I I. Did, I had to stop ballet, as I mentioned last week, I think, when I was 18, 19, uh, because of, you know, the chronic pain that was starting the fibromyalgia, which took a long time to work out what that was. But I didn't get my period till I was 19. And then suddenly by 21, 22, I had boobs. I had hips within my context. You know, I looked like a little little boy until then. I was teeny tiny, like I was a size zero. And even now, like, I'm like, oh, God, you know, it's, it's ironic that I used to get teased at school for not having boobs. And then as a side thing, I'm a lingerie model. Like, it, it's it's kind of funny. But um, I, I have progressively lost weight over the past little while, but my weight has fluctuated. I've been on steroids too. I've been on, you know, because when your digestion is not working, obviously you're holding bloat, you're holding water weight, you're holding just weight in general. So... I go up and down, you know, my face gets puffy on the steroids and all those things. And yeah, I've grown up in ballet world and I'm still someone in the modeling world and I'm a white Western woman. So totally, you have to be skinny. You have to be this. Your skin has to look that way. Your hair has to be luscious. I have lost so much hair over the past five years. I can't even tell you. I'm so lucky that I've got a lot of hair, but a lot of it was falling out at the beginning of this year and it was just traumatic you know, and it was all the drugs that I was on previously as well, just chunks and chunks falling out. Like want to talk about not feeling good about yourself, just go, oh, there's my hair. Okay. Another, you know, having to go and get special brushes 
from hairdressers because the comb that you were using was just ripping out your hair. Um, again, all, all physical signs that something's not right inside. But, yeah, I've lost weight, but who knows, maybe next month I'll suddenly, you know, put on 10 pounds. I, I don't know. That's just that especially gut chronic illnesses are very much like that and a lot of my friends who who have them are the same where they just fluctuate up and down which is just oh it's a lot (laughs) so one of the things that like we think about like is that one of the like if you think about adjectives that you want people to describe you as a lot of women will say beautiful and I think that a lot of people who are not that focused on that, like for men, I think a lot of times it's powerful or hungry or ambitious or creative or a leader. And I think for women, one of the first qualifiers, like if, if we're really like talking, I I know at least for myself, it always was that I wanted people to think I was beautiful. And that's not something I'm proud of. And raising a daughter right now, that has come full right into my face because I'm on a tremendous level of medications and they are changing the way I look. And I am heavier now than I think I was when I gave birth to her. And I have bald patches through here. And I had my hair back in a bun because that is my, I can't bother to, I can't brush my hair I can't so it's gonna oh, go girl. in a bun yeah, yeah. and so she was, she was pointing out as as children do my bald spot she was like oh look at that bald spot there and she was like I, I'm getting horrible like acne around my chin and she's like oh look at that like she said what's that mom and like you know I was embarrassed I was actually embarrassed for a minute I didn't even want to say I was like ah uh, and then it was like you know what I'm not gonna raise her like I was raised I'm not gonna raise her to be ashamed of this because at least she can go, well, my mom said that was her body and that's what her body did. And so like my big mantra right now, I'm working so freaking hard at this right now, is I refuse to be ashamed of something that I didn't do wrong. Yes. And that's yes. been that's huge. amazing. Because my weight is not something I feel comfortable with. It's not something I'm happy about. I went to a nutritionist. I showed her everything that I eat. And she was like, with the medications you're on, you would have to eat 1,200 calories a day to be able to lose weight. And I'm like, I'm at 1,400 calories. I'm not eating that much. And she's like, I know. But the medications you're on, there is no way for you to look the way you're saying you want to look if you don't eat this incredibly small amount. She's like, I'm not even saying you should. She's like, I don't think that your weight is something that is more important than you getting nutrition. So... Absolutely. And that uh, my mantra is this year is I'm stopping validating myself. Which uh-huh. again is, it ties in with yours. They're like twins, yes. you know, it, it's they're, they're, they're mantra cousins. And, and that's it. It's kind of going, well, I can't control this. I'm not happy with it. Obviously, if you could, you know, wave a magic wand, you would be at a, a size that you felt comfortable in your skin. It's not excusing or saying, well, no, I'm just going to whatever, but it's kind of going, I can't control this right now. I'm not sitting and eating donuts and drinking soda. Something's happening in my body and the medications, the powerful medications I'm taking, these are the side effects of them. I don't like them, but why am I going to spend my, my energy my precious energy that we have, so, so precious, a little well of it on worrying about something that I can't change right now. And yet getting more food and nutrients into your body is far more important than that. And the people that you have around you would prefer that than you to be, you know, 
two sizes smaller. I don't even think my husband would notice if I was two sizes yeah, smaller. Exactly. I don't yeah, think anyone it, would notice. It's us. It's us. Right? It's us unpacking our stuff and the acceptance there and what we get fed and, and, you know, especially us coming from kind of highly strung body <laughs> worlds. Oh my God. Yeah. It's it, it, yeah, no, it is. And like I, I, this week I've just looked pregnant the whole time, like just this big bloated belly. And when I'm like that, I feel like I go to my, my fiance, Shane, I feel like a whale. And he's like, you don't look like a whale. I'm like, but I feel like one. And then it's just going, Bex, you're doing all you can. You're just doing all you can and it's fine. And I'm going to cancel that photo shoot because I'm not going to spend the next four days trying to do something to fix my tummy, which is just reacting. It's just what it's doing. And I'm just letting that go. Letting stuff go is a really powerful thing. I'm working on that. It's really, really hard, but it's especially for us when we just don't have a lot of control over things, letting stuff go. So we're recording in November. I know exactly when I'm releasing this. I'm releasing this January 1st because I think what we're talking about, everyone, and not just chronic illness, but I think everyone needs to hear this, is take weight loss off your freaking list of resolutions. If you're going to have a resolution, make it something that is something you should be proud of. And I will go back to the ground goddess, Carrie Fisher, because we lost a wonderful person. And she said she refused to be proud of something she had nothing to do with. She said the accidental arrangement of my features is not something I'm willing to be proud of. And I'm going to float this little theory out there is that the traditional feminine way that we are taught as young little little girls is that beauty is safety and we learned that through fairy tales because I always would said well would, would if she was ugly would he have like gone through dragons like he didn't know her he didn't know anything yeah. about her at all <laughs> except that she was beautiful so she got saved because she was beautiful so I really feel like thanks Disney um <laughs> she's probably the, like most Snow White and Cinderella are probably like most awful women that you just never would want to like be friends with they're like full of drama I they don't come know. from like they're not educated but they're just they're pretty they're pretty, pretty with issues. <laughs> I like to think that that's through a man's lens and through yeah. a, not just like a man's because there are plenty of wonderful men out there, but I think it's through a very toxic lens of what women should be, which is subservient, quiet, pretty, and entertaining. And I feel like those, and I'm not saying men are saying that that's how women should be, but I'm saying that's a toxic idea of how women are taught how to be and what what is valued in the entertainment industry that gets absolutely ivy mainlined into our young girls which you know I'll go back to I was we were talking about Jennifer Siebel Newsom and one of the most absolute must watch documentaries of all time is Misrepresentation and that is an incredible movie about rethinking what all of our culture taught girls since I don't know we crawled out of caves I mean it's it's been one body type after another and it could be the super thick boobs and hips and no waist or big waist and that's been a thing too and if you weren't that body type and you didn't conform you weren't considered good enough it's amazing how much we don't get to control that decides our worth yeah oh just coming back to you know I I I think I've had four men in my life 
come up to me or, you know, when I've been out in social situations and we're chatting, I don't know them, they're friends of friends, say to me, oh, my gosh, you're actually really intelligent. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, oh. Because they saw the way I looked Mm -hmm. and thought, oh, well, she must be a bimbo. She must not have anything between her ears. She must not have opinions. She must not be funny. She must not have gone through anything. She's, you know, all those horrible words that that men describe certain women who look like that, you know, and it was like, oh, okay, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to not talk to you anymore. Goodbye. Like, you know, and it was just, there was actually like a genuine, it was, it was, they weren't even trying to be funny. And I remember um, I worked as a radio producer in Sydney and one of the radio jocks, one of the DJs came up to me and said, I'm so glad we've got glamorous producers like you in this, in this building. And I was live on air. I was, you know, this was one of the, the top rating shows in Sydney. And he said that to me and I like, I didn't say anything because again, he was above me. I couldn't, I, I couldn't give him what I was thinking in my head. And also we were live on, on radio at that time. I was, you know, behind the scenes and I, I was just like, what, what has, what is my, the way I look got to do with my ability to produce a show at all different in the modeling world, hundred percent. We could unwrap that toxic world if you want, <laughs> but, but, but in a, in a context where I have a journalism degree, I've worked in that industry at that stage, I think about eight years, I was an assistant producer in the top rating show in Sydney. A man felt that he, and he was saying it to me like, go you, like gold starter you, you're glamorous. We need more girls like you in this place. It was like, oh. (laughs) You do realize the roar you just heard was the entire Silicon Valley women just going, yes. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's amazing how, I mean, like if you want to look at like the Silicon Valley, which is the world I, I just came from, and it was this idea that Men who just wore jeans and a t-shirt, they were Steve and Jobs. That was that was the look for men. That's the uniform. That's the cool <laughs> the uniform, startup uniform. Right? Yeah. But women were stuck in this like space of like glamorous, just gotta call it. Like it was this idea of like there was one look that you were supposed to like be able to do to be taken seriously. Like the amazing hoops we have to jump through to be taken seriously is like basically imprinted on our bodies and oh, someone just like posted some pinterest because god knows i spend way too much time there but i oh, see that overwhelms <laughs> me it's like a buffet buffets <laughs> overwhelm me it's too much choice i'm just like yeah no deal unsubscribe like <laughs> and i got engaged my friend's like go on pinterest i was on there for 10 minutes I'm like this is giving me an anxiety attack no what does that say about me that I am like this relaxes me to a very no, deep it's, level? No, that's great. Like horses for courses, totally. Do it, do do you, but just oh, okay, so stress the, central for me. The main reason I'm on there is because I can't handle Tumblr, and it's too scary of a place, too big of a place, and I like my Tumblr curated. And the main reason I'm on there is because I have a teenager. 
And the Tumblr seems to be where a lot of teenagers are talking very openly and honestly about what their world is like and what concerns them, what makes them think. So I started to, like, really pay attention to the Tumblr posts on what teenagers were saying. So at least I could have, like, a little bit more empathy for what my kid is going through right now. And then also, as we're going back to, we are very pale and we are of a very certain social economic class. And there was a lot of posts in there that really made me rethink about feminism what white feminism did and did very wrong in the 1970s and what it did very wrong during the suffragette era and what needs to be done now for feminism to survive and not go through the same cycle of it's all been done before my friend like everything we think that we are at a level that this cannot be taken away that is not true we have gone through this many many times and the only way we don't become another footnote in history that another like few generations, our great-granddaughters will have to look back and go, oh, look, look where we almost got to, is if we are inclusive. That's it. That's the biggest takeaway as a historian that I can give to everyone about feminism is that it is about inclusion and the only ways that everyone fell on their faces for the last grandmothers, great-grandmothers, great-great-great-great-great-grandmothers is that it didn't have inclusion. And so that's, that's my big thing. But in reading through these Tumblr posts, I'm able to understand other viewpoints in a way that I wouldn't otherwise, because it's like diary entries. And you're like, oh my God, I never thought about that. And I am older. I am middle-aged. And this new group of young women who are coming forward, who um, Taylor Swift is my freaking hero. And I never thought I'd say this, but the way <laughs> she changed the script in her court hearing was everything I've ever wanted to hear in my life in an, in a moment like that. She did not let someone play her story out. She absolutely just, her story, nothing else. And that was impressive to hear. And hearing young women talk about their bodies as this is mine. You don't get to say what it looks like. You don't get to say what gender it is. You don't get to say whether you get to touch it or not is not how I was raised. That was not how I was taught. And I am so freaking here for it, watching these young women make their own rules about their bodies. And I'm so excited to see it. And like my daughter was like, she's 11. And I grew up with all the 80s movies. And I didn't give them a lot of thought until I'm sitting there with my kid and my husband and I are big geeks. So we're like, we haven't watched Star Wars in forever. Let's watch Star Wars. Well, first movie, Princess Leia is a badass. She is awesome. Except they made her be 98 pounds. Well, we can discuss that later. (laughs) And we are not discussing Return to the Jedi. I can't. Um, But we watched the Empire Strikes Back and there's this moment where she's telling Han Solo what a scum he is and she wants nothing to do with him and they're on a spaceship where the hell is she gonna go and he slams his fist next to her face pulls her in and kisses her and this was something I had never even like given a second thought to until my 11 year old looks up and she goes that's not okay she said she didn't want him near her how could he how dare he and I'm like oh we're raising her right and I really need to rethink a lot of movies that I was going to have you watch. Um, wow. Like, like Grace is my favorite. Like I'm one of four girls. So we used to just like reenact Grease. And a few years ago I went. <laughs> oh, watching that as an adult is a whole education. I was like, hold on. She was amazing as she is. She changed herself completely and got the guy and everyone cheated. I was like, hold on a minute. And I was like, oh, no, not Greece. Okay, and you were very good at keeping me on track, but I'm going to get off track for one second because you were getting right back to the body image and I'm going to get back to they were talking about date rape in the beginning song. The opening song is his friends getting mad at him for not date raping Sandy. I mean, let's just 
Listen to the lyrics again. It is absolutely, did she put up a fight? Anyone who's ever watched Grease, just watch it one more time as an adult, as a feminist. Yes, all of you with whatever body parts can and should be feminist. It's equality. Watch it one more time. So, <laughs> yeah, it ruins your entire childhood, but it's important if we're going to raise a, another generation yes. Yes. of people who don't just gloss it over and go, oh, it's a cute, catchy song. I mean, and Blurred that's Lines was a song that everyone was like, huh, Blurred Lines, Alan Thick. Did you, you really think that was a good idea? Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. But sorry. Well. Okay. I'm, I'm getting so far off track. No. But that's amazing so that you. No. That's amazing that you're because I have a fear of having children, especially girls in this age, and that obviously is just maybe my fear of of being a good role model and all that stuff. But the fact that you're 11 year old is saying that is is an indication, and much like you're seeing in Tumblr and all the conversations that you're jumping in and out of, or even just my stuff or the, the things that I'm reading about white feminism and, and listening to women of color and just really sitting back going, okay, there is a change. And hopefully we are modeling this to the younger generation. And you're, you're seeing that with, with your, with your daughter, which is really encouraging. Well, I'll get right back on track with what you just said is one of my biggest fears is that she would go through the things I went through. And one of the things I'd never wanted her to go through is eating disorders because I almost killed myself doing that. And I am so terrified that she won't see this amazing body that is a tool and seeing it as a tool, a way for her to get through the world, to do amazing, brilliant, wonderful things, to be strong. And that's the one thing we always talk about with her body, because she is at an age, she's 11, she does watch YouTube, and she is listening to things, and she has said some things that concern me, but I will always come back to her with, your goal is strong. Your goal is and a healthy. strong and healthy body. And that's what you want is something that can run, play, that is a tool. And you want to keep that tool in good working order as best as you can. Whatever you have control over. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. obviously, my tool is very much for decorative purposes only. It is not It is not functioning. It's, it's, a, it's a context. You know, there are things that you can do that will help within your context, whereas someone else you know, it's running a marathon or it's going to the gym five days a week and, you know, coming back to news resolutions, don't say I'm going to lose those 20 pounds so I look a certain way. I'm going to lose those 20 pounds because it's not healthy on my joints. It's not healthy for me to be carrying that amount of weight. Or I'm going to lose those pounds because my stomach isn't working properly and I'm going to get help into looking why my <laughs> digestion's not working. It's it's reframing that and it's I think we have to raise both girls and boys to understand that yes, well if you're overweight, that's not great because that means you're not healthy. But but you're not trying to lose that weight to be skinny. You're trying that to be to be healthy. And I think that's a big thing, especially, you know, for us in the the, the sickness zone. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we're constantly trying to strive for and I think that is coming back to people saying, oh, but you look so good. It's like, yeah, but I feel like shit. <laughs> oh, my so God. So I'd, I'd prefer to be able to get through my day without having a nap than, you know, looking whatever way you think I look. I think we talked about it the last time, but I always have to remind myself that when someone says, you look great today, it's not, it's a compliment. And I always forget that because I feel like it's a judgment. And that's so hard because I feel like, like in so many ways, we are so used to our bodies being judged. But when you're sick, it's now you have to justify that you're sick. 
Like, do I look sick enough is another question. Like, it's like, at first, I don't have control over what size I am because of my medication. Um, steroids play havoc with chipmunk cheeks. And um, I lose my hair sometimes. <laughs> or I get awful acne. Or I don't know. I look like a Halloween costume because I get mast cell activation where all of my veins can come forward. And I look like a Star Trek character. Super oh, cool, wow. by the way. It looks neat. Um, but I'm just saying, there's all these things that I can't control. But then on the flip side, I also have to feel like I should look sick and frail enough that people get why I'm staying home all the time. Yeah, and that's screwy because I have that too. And that's, again, the validating thing of coming back to you. know, you don't have to validate. It's like, no, I'm not well. I'm not coming out. I'm not going to have to send you a photo or, you know, like the people who fake their call work and they pretend they've got a block note. <laughs> that's not us. That no. that And that's that's really toxic uh, detrimental thinking because it does put you in the cycle that you have to keep being sick to be able to function or get attention and all those type of things that people with chronic illness and, and pain have to unpack because that's unpacking that that is you and that's your identity and it's not and that's not how you get love that's not how you get help that's not how you get attention it's just one part of you and I touched on that last week, and that's something I'm having to unpack as well. I'm not Becca with Crohn's. I'm not Becca who's been sick since she was 17. I'm Becca with all the other things that I am. Um, well, that goes back yeah. to, like, the men who were surprised because of how you looked that you had a brain. It's, like, it's so amazing it how many things that we <laughs> – by the way, if you are that much of an idiot, be that much of an idiot really loudly so we all know to stay away from you. Like, just – I, I don't Be know. Vocal. Like, I feel I, like Howard Stern is really helpful because he's such a misogynistic <laughs> jerk so publicly. It's like, great. I know I, I don't want to be near you. Great. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. Glenn Beck, no interest in being anywhere near you, fella. Like, just if you scream it proudly, it's almost like you're your own Darwin. Like, you are stepping out of the gene pool very helpfully, so all women know. Like, You've got that sign, you know, on um on the freeways. I don't know yeah. if you have the you like, wrong way, go back. <laughs> and it's just well, it's, like, it's like the guys who put, like, the truck nuts on their truck. It's like, thank you. We don't need to talk. We're good. A red hat right now means I am totally fine with not having that conversation. I appreciate, like, you sparing my time. It's helpful. <laughs> if I was still dating, I, it would just be fantastic. I am so grateful I never have to. I do not ever want to do that again. <laughs> Very happy to not. Oh, it's a whole thing, isn't it, when you're a little bit sick? Uh, it was heartbreaking. It was really heartbreaking when like the person I was in love with was telling me you're too sick. I didn't, I know I knew you were sick, but you weren't this sick when we got together. And I can't, I just can't. You're too much. And I understand me being too much. The things I can control, my personality, my motor mouth, that is a lot. And cheers if that's too much for you. I get it. It's a lot for me too. Believe me, everything I say is a filter from what's going on up here. But I can't control my body. And having something that's outside my control with someone who said, I love you, that was hard. And it was the same person who, when I got the wrong medication and I gained 30 pounds in a month, was livid. Furious that I would gain that weight. Like, like oh, I, 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 got, wow. I, got dumped after, I got dumped after I got out of hospital. Like, I think every, especially woman, has that. Yeah. has a, a oh, woman who's dealing with stuff. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I just, uh, I know from in the sense of, of, I had a friend who, after she had her baby, developed Addison's and 
Graves. Um, so she lost so much weight, so, so much weight, and her husband didn't do anything and said to her, I miss my curvy wife. And you're going to be the woman at swimming lessons when you take our daughter and in your swimming costume, you're going to be the one that like, oh, look at that, look at that woman. She dieted herself back to that size and she doesn't care about her daughter. I I was like, no, are you serious? So yeah, I I could, I could rant Ah. days about, about, you know, men and relationships, but (laughs) And again, this they, is our perspective. They don't, they don't deserve that. No, exactly. My 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 personal experience with a couple of people have been really, really damaging to me and really have fed into that you are too much yeah. and you are sick and you aren't pretty and I'm not going to come to you when you're in hospital and I'm actually going to break up with you and then this and then that and the, you don't earn enough money. And it's, yeah, it, it's really screwy and it, it that's the stuff that, especially when you're dealing with mental health issues that are kind of the side effects of, of having chronic illness to have a whole other layer of other people's rubbish that you have to unpack that they've put onto you. It's no wonder we can't get out of bed. (laughs) So fair. And I will also say that some of my biggest um, throw to me about my weight and the way I look was other women. So and oh, this is yeah, like yes, this is yes. uh, we are we are not picking over bones here. Um, one thing I will. You see on the mothers on Instagram, it's it's women attacking women, and that's the saddest thing. Where I just actually have to delete Ooh, toxic social media. Yeah, yeah even awful. female partners have been like that. And um, one thing I will say that I think can help everyone out. And here is a New Year's resolution for anyone wondering what a good New Year's resolution is. Here's one for you: If someone cannot change it in less than five minutes, do not mention it. Something between someone's teeth that can be changed. A zipper down can be changed. Anything else about someone's appearance that cannot be fixed in under five minutes does not get mentioned. There you go. Oh, That's your newest resolution. It. I love it. There we go. And God, we're already an hour. Why do we do this? We do this every time we talk. <laughs> All right. Well, we will have to do another panel very, very soon. If no other reason that I can listen to your Australian accent, I will do that all day. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on Invisible That Broken. Please tune in next week. And the kindest, nicest thing you can do for us is to go to iTunes. still the best place, still where most of you are listening. Write something embarrassingly nice. Give us a great review. And seriously, the second nicest thing you can do, or maybe the most, is share us with friends and family. This is a super shareable episode. If you are having problems, with people in your life who are mentioning things about your body that you're like, I am fighting hard enough, send them this episode. It might help. All right. Thanks so much. Be kind, be gentle, and be a badass.